The reason that God has called me to be a preacher, he says he knows that I confuse easily, and if I just give him the Bible and prayer, he won't get lost. And he keeps it simple. I like that. I like that. It's it's just a question of using your available resources. Every child of God. It isn't for the pastor, the elder, the deacon, the Sunday school teacher. It is every child of God is 100% complete and full of the fullness of God. Every Christian. That's the issue. Listen, we went through verses 3 through 14 and we saw what our resources were. You stand in awe of it. I mean, there is more theology in 3 through 14 than you can get in four years of seminary. Which I don't really know what that means, but I think that's nerve-wracking. But there's more understanding on the person of God in 3 through 14 than you will get in a Christian school. We saw what God's plan was. When the Godhead came together before the foundations of the earth and put together the master plan. Poof! There it is. And I'm going to place these people into the body of Christ where they will exist in the fullness of us. That's amazing stuff. Because of God's plan... I can look at a believer's resources, our position in Christ. Do you know who you are? Do you know what you possess? Do you know? You don't need to add anything else to it. That statement, and remember, I'll remind you, 3 through 14 is one sentence. It is a fantastic statement of the accomplishment of salvation. What salvation does. And there's absolutely, positively nothing missing. In fact, verse 3 is very clear. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ... Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the, the word places in italics. That means it's not in the original languages. So it says in heavenly in Christ. You know what I like about that? It's all past tense. I'm not waiting to be blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. I shared with you when we were going through that text. Heavenlies is where God is. So where's he at? He's everywhere. And you've got every one of those spiritual blessings. At the moment of your salvation. No one has more or less. There is no more of a Christian or less of a Christian. They're all equal. 
They're all the fullness in Christ, which is the fullness of God. God has already done it. That's why Paul freaks out when he uses the phrase, in Christ. I'm in Christ. That's my email address. In Him. Why? Because I read enough of Paul and said, that freaked him out. That freaked him out. And the more I read about it, and the more I study it, and the more I look at it, it freaks me out. I'm in Christ. I mean, there's days I look at what... I don't know why I'm in Christ. But by golly, I'm tickled to death that I am. Listen. I... You guys know, you guys who have been under my teaching for a while, you understand that when I'm teaching a letter, I read it every day. Okay? And I usually start six, eight months before I get to that letter, and I read it every day. Every day I read it. Okay? And you know what? This is one of those that every day I read it, it's like, whoa. And I was like, but yesterday was a whoa. And now I got a bigger whoa. And I'm tomorrow I'm nervous. I mean, there's times I'll read it in my desk and I've got to get up and walk around. It's just, I, you just, I just said, whoa, I'm in the body of Christ. He chose me by name before he even made creation. And so I'm going to put you in the body. And when I do that, I will bless you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. These truths are so profound, they are so deep, they're so encompassing that they are beyond what the human mind can conceive. Paul, after he shows us these truths in 3 through 14, these amazing truths of what our position is in Christ. What our resources are in Christ. That you already possess in Christ. Then verse 15, he stops. And he begins to pray. He prays that the reader will understand. Get a handle on this. Get a grasp of this. Grasp the reality of what he has just said. And you know what I've learned? In the years that I have walked with my king. You can take just that section right there. Set it over here all by itself. Cut and paste whatever you want to do. Lay it right there. And you cannot read that and stay in your comfort range. First few times I read it, it made me so uncomfortable I couldn't hardly stand it. Every time I read it after that, I was like, oh, man. And then then guess what happens next? I get the call. We want you to go to Azerbaijan and Georgia. (laughs) I told him I don't like to travel anymore. God says, so? (laughs) So as the great philosopher once said, it looks like I'm off to see the wizard. But anyway. You can't look at your position in Christ and stay in a comfortable place. Can't do it. It's impossible. You can't do it. And it will freak your brain out when you try to start swallowing it. And your best bet is to do just what the Apostle Paul did. Oh, Lord, you better help me here. 
let me get a handle on this because this is out of my handling. And see what I'm trying to get at here? I said, here's what your position is. What does your practice do? My practice says I better start praying because this here is making my brain hurt. They'll be take me in for a concussion or something. This is crazy stuff, man. Read it. You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. He chose us in Him before the foundations of the world that we would be holy and blameless before Him in love. He predestined us as adoptions as sons through Christ Himself according to His kind intentions to the praise of His glory of His grace which He freely bestows upon His beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace which He lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. Listen, when I run into people, and it's the norm today, I told you out, it's Colossians chapter 2, don't let them defraud you, don't let them take you captive, don't let them imprison you with what? Philosophy, man's wisdom, legalism, asceticism, all of these things, don't let them do that to you. Why? Because they're saying it's Christ Plus, when I run into people every week who have Christ plus, you know what you just told me? You're clueless about your position. Now, I don't tell them that. I don't. Well, you know, you're really clueless. Okay, because <laughs> I can do enough things to offend people without saying, you're clueless, man. Okay, but I, that's what they're telling me. Well, you know what? I'm going, I had a group come in and I don't want to mention the ministry. And this will teach you how to Deal with grieving people and those preparing for death. Why do I got to add that to me? Why do I need to add that? Well, it'll help your ministry. Really? Huh. That's not what my book says. It's given to man to die once. Okay? But we do not grieve as those who have no hope. I don't think... See what the problem is. Well, have you ever had people die... Everybody I know has been alive forever. Why? You? (laughs) But you see what I'm trying... No, I don't need anything else. I don't need anything else. Acts chapter 6. That a good man of God gives himself to the study of the word and prayer. You see what I mean? Very simple, very easy. Okay? He studies the word to teach truth to people. Then he prays that God will help them understand it because the human mind can't grasp it. Even the regenerate human mind struggles with some of this. But you know what is awesome? You get to see the special ministry of the Spirit of the living God. 1 John chapter 2, verse 27. As for you, the anointing which you receive from Him 
abides in you and you have no need for anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, this and is true. It is not a lie. And just as it is taught to you, you abide in him. When you take the word abide, just remember this remains. It remains in me. I have the Holy Spirit teaching me. People ask me, what is your greatest resource for the study of the Bible? The Bible. Well, what do you use? Fervent prayer. Why? Because that's what it tells me to do. That would be my practice. Understanding what my position is. We have an anointing. I like the word anointing. You know what that means? Smeared. (laughs) I've been smeared. I've been smeared by the Spirit of God. And He teaches me all things. He teaches me things that my little pea brain says, What? He teaches us. Listen, I'm not dependent on what man wants to instruct me with. Well, you need to know how to deal with grieving people. Why? If they know the king, they don't grieve as those who have no hope. If they don't know the king, they got bigger problems than dying. And I don't say that, be, wow, you sound, you'd be tough at a bit. Nobody asked me to come to the hospital anymore. You know why? I told everybody in this congregation years ago. I said, uh, well, do you ever pray for healing? I said, uh, well, the only healing I know of is in the presence of the Lord. They said, what? I said, yeah, I don't care what you get here. You're going to get something else later. So do you really want me to come to the hospital and pray for your healing? Well, maybe not. Okay. And, and I'm not saying that cold hearted. I'm saying I know what this book says. And it's like the Apostle Paul said, better to be with him. But if it's for you, then I shall stay. He wrote that when he was chained in prison. Do you believe that? And and I want us to get a hold of this because you people have been exposed to 3 through 14 of what your position is. You know what's really bad about that? Now you're responsible for the information. You know what that means? Anytime I get responsible for the information, you know what I get? Pop quiz. God says, you trust that? (laughs) Guess I'm about to learn, huh? I'm not dependent on the philosophy of man. I'm not dependent on the wisdom of man. I'm not dependent on the things that men think I should do and not do. You know, I, I I ride a motorcycle. Well, how can you ride a motorcycle? Ah, man, I tried pushing it. It's just not that much fun. I mean, let's kind of keep it straight. Well, you, I, I, I've traveled in. Are you afraid about dying? No. Why? Well, if God's going to kill me in a jet, he'll drop one on my head. I mean, if that's what he wants, boom, look, he got me. My daughter studied in Israel a number of years ago. She was over there for, what, six months, something like that. Everybody says, well, aren't you afraid for her? No. Why? Well, God's in Israel, too. I ain't worried about it. 
it does. Well, you're traveling. But it's, it's, it's weird. I've got this. When I went to Azerbaijan last, last year, <laughs> they told me I was arranging my flights. And they said, now, you've got to fly in from a Muslim country. I was like, what? And they said, well, yeah, they don't accept people into Azerbaijan unless you're from a Muslim country. And I was like, wow, okay, that's weird. So I got Lufthansa, and I was going to Lufthansa to Frankfurt, Germany, from Frankfurt to Istanbul to Istanbul to Baku, okay? <laughs> well, something was going on. And anyway, I get into Frankfurt, and they said, your flight's canceled to, Bak- or to Istanbul. And I'm like, <laughs> do I have to walk? <laughs> and they said, no. And so everybody was popping corks. I just sit there, I'm like, oh, great, man. Uh, what am I going to do now? So the lady saw that I wasn't complaining, yelling, or throwing a hissy. And she says, come here. And I said, what's that? She said, I like how you're reacting to this. She says, I think I can get you a flight. I said, all right. Cool. So she comes back out, and she hands me a ticket. She says, here's the deal. You're going to fly Aeroflot from Frankfurt to Moscow and from Moscow to Baku. I was like, I thought I had to come in from a Muslim country. He says, they have a Stalinistic government. They do not turn anything down from Russia. I was like, ah, oh, there you go, convenience. But here's the thing. I flew Aeroflot when I was in Russia one time, and they loaded us all up and got all ready, and you see them closing up the cabin, and they backed us out, and we sat there, and then we stopped. And I just sat there, nah, 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 nah. Like this. And all of a sudden, they open the door again. And this ladder come up. And they, I thought, what's going on? And the guy gets on the radio and he says, we don't have enough fuel to make it. So we're going to unload you. Well, I'm glad you figured that out here. <laughs> okay. Because it's one of those like, you guys ever do this before? Is it just something you just, look what we found. We got a plane. Let's throw some people on and see if we can crash it. And so I, you know, but I said, Lord, you know, I don't like to fly with these yahoos. And they, he got me there. It's obvious I'm here, but he got me there. But it's just the strangest thing because the airline is treated like, do you, some of you won't remember this, but remember in the 60s and 70s TWA, they had the white gloves and then funny little hats on. That's Aeroflot. And I keep thinking, I hope the planes are newer. <laughs> but then you think, well, maybe not. But anyway, see, but yet he still, my position is, hey, whatever. It doesn't matter. We as Christians need to understand, I'm here temporarily. Let me be about my father's work and then I'm out of here. Paul stops after this amazing statement of our position and our resources And he prays. Brothers and sisters, we need to take that to heart. He does it twice in this letter. He gives us our position and our resources, and then he stops and prays. Listen, if he does it twice, I'm thinking, hello, I am talking to you, and you didn't get it the first time. He prays for you and me that God would grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. Verse 17. And you would understand these things. God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. That God, the Holy Spirit, would touch the spirit of man and open his stupid brain so he could understand the things that are eternal. 
because it takes divine intervention for our little feeble bodies to get it. Oh, yeah. Listen, here's something that I know emphatically because I have seen it. I have dealt with it. You will never be able to live out principles you don't understand. Okay? Can't do it. We have some single ladies in our congregation. They're, they're all wanting to be unsingle. And I keep telling them, you know, that, you know, well, I met somebody. Well, good. <laughs> I meet people all day long. And sometimes they are somebody. <laughs> but anyway, they said, well, I, they said, well, he's, he, he said he's a believer. And I say, how do you know? But, well, he said he was. Well, that means it holds water. Satan is an angel of light. How do you know? Okay, and they look, well, is it really that? Yes. Marriage was given as an example of the body of Christ. The church is the bride to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you don't take the holiness of Christ and marry it to a harlot. That's the reason, yeah, you should pay really close attention to this. And you know what? You're smart. You get somebody who's got a little more spiritual maturity than you've got. But see, if you don't understand what your position is, that practice seems, well, that seems stupid. I was in Russia the first few times I went to Russia. I had these... A, a, a guy and a girl who were in, interpreted for me at different times. I taught a woman's uh, Sunday school class, and the girl interpreted for me. And then uh, during my messages in the classes I was teaching, the guy taught it. Anyway, I was getting ready to leave Oriel back to Moscow by train. All right, and it's it's cold. Uh, uh, it's foggy. I, I don't know if it's raining or if it should have been. I don't know what. It was just miserable. And I, my train didn't leave until midnight, and they took me down to the train station at about 11. So I, so I get in, and uh, Valeri uh, takes me in and puts me in my little booth thing and, and says, okay, here you are. And he says, well, we're hoping that Misha and Anna can come. And I was like, well, where are they? And they said, well, they have to be escorted. And I said, what? He says, we do not allow single Christians of opposite sex to go someplace unescorted. What? He says, no. He says, we don't want them to be tempted. And sure enough, a married couple in the, in the church picked them up, brought them down. And they, they said goodbye to me. And you're just sitting there going, I'm trying to do that in America. They would move you off to Russia. But I said, well, how do they get to know? They said, that's what church is for. They get to know each other in church. That way we can protect them. But how many people do you believe would say, hey, I don't want my daughter or my son to go someplace without an escort because it's for their protection. But see, we don't understand our position. If we understand our position, we know that we all are susceptible to this. 
But we look at it, wow, that's the strangest thing I've ever heard in my life. And it's not that they don't go out and do things together, but they always have a group for their protection so they are not tempted. You can never able to live out principles you do not understand. God wants us to learn the truth. And He wants the Spirit as the teacher who takes the Word of God and makes it alive in the individual believer. You know what I've learned? I've been senior pastor for what, 20, yeah, 20 some odd, 30, 23 years, something like that. You know what I've learned? Couple of things, but one, couple of things in 23 years. But one thing I've learned is I can't make anybody believe what I just said. But I do have this. Well, I disagree with that. Prove me wrong. And I don't want to hear your opinion. Your opinion is of great value to you. Okay? Not so much me. Show me biblically. All right. Now, listen, I don't want you to think I'm out here trying to pick a fight or anything, but you know what? I've listened to men's philosophy for the first 25 years of my life, and it got my butt thrown in prison. So I'm thinking, I might want to try a different road. These are things that you and I have to pay attention to. Listen, we need to have confidence in each of our understanding. We know what it says. And I can't practice this if I am not confident. That's what it says. I was at a preaching conference in Memphis years ago. <laughs> and it was weird because you, you had to get up and preach in front of preachers. Which, you know, I've done that before. And then they told me afterward that they were a preacher. And that's not so bad. Okay, but this is a whole room full of preachers, and the teacher was Dr. Stephen Olford, who's the one who taught Billy Graham that if he didn't do this thing in the Holy Spirit, he was wasting his time. Because Billy Graham had been told, he was with Youth for Christ, he was told then, he says, you're teaching teenagers, and you only got 15 minutes. If you go more than 15 minutes, you lose them all. Dr. Olford took him down in the Welsh countryside and showed him about the Holy Spirit. They prayed for a week. He went back. His first message at Wembley Stadium, full of teenagers, was an hour and a half long in the power of the Spirit. Anyway, this guy got up there, opens up his Bible, reads it, prays, does all that stuff. And he says, well, I think what this text means, Dr. Olford stood up and says, sit down. If you don't know, don't teach it. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> but see, I'd already gone. All right. So I was like, hey, sorry for you. <laughs> okay. Guys, everybody said, well, you want to go first? I said, you think I want to sit and wait? This is nuts. And the secretary, one of his homiletic secretary, you know, you've arrived when you got a homiletic secretary. And his homiletic secretary says, well, I said, you know, preaching in front of Dr. Olford is, is about one of the most intimidating things I can think of. And she says, well, Terry, you preach before Christ every Sunday. Yeah, but he ain't sitting there taking notes. <laughs> there's, a, there's a big difference, man. Anyway, I, I survived. 
I'm still in counseling, but I survived it. No, just kidding. Paul, in verse 14, stops the theology and he starts prayer. Verse 15. He starts off by saying, for this reason. What reason? Those first 3 through 14. For this reason, having heard of the faith to the Lord Jesus, which exists among you and your love for all the saints. He had heard of their faith toward the Lord Jesus and their love for all the saints. I really can't think of anything greater to be known for. So he praises them. He thanks them. Okay, He petitions that they would understand. I thank God for your faith. I thank God for all of your love for all the saints. I give thanks making mention to you in my prayers. Okay? But now his petition is that they would be overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit to work on the human spirit to produce a spirit of wisdom, a spirit of revelation in the knowledge of Him. Okay, now, I want to be very specific about this. Last week I hit this, I'm going to hit it again. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. That you would grow in the knowledge of Christ? No, that's not what it says. The true knowledge of Christ. I know a whole bunch of people who know what Jesus is, and yet that one of the things that I ask people, they say, well, I'm saved. And I say, well, how do you know? And they'll give me some, well, I remember walking on. I remember that was Billy Graham crusade and all the rest of it. I says, tell me five things about the Lord Jesus Christ. What? Tell me five things about him. Because if you know him, you should know at least... Five. I did that out at cowboy camp at evangelistic thing last this summer, and I made that. I, I used that illustration. I said I wanted five things about Jesus Christ, and so I got done and we went to eat. And I came walking back, and this guy was sitting in the back, and he was doing one of these things. And he says, "Preacher," I said, "Yep." He says, "Tell me five things about Jesus." I just smiled at him real big. I said, "You know, it's nice to know that somebody was listening," and so I took off. Just kept going and going and going and going and going and going. He says, all right, you proved your point. Okay? Because I don't know if I could stop it. I don't know what my list duration would be. But you know what? I know people right now who... Prof- I know pastor right now here in Castle Rock who couldn't answer that question for me. And he's a pastor. How in the heck did he pull that off? I mean, I'm not sure I'd want to go to church. That I'm not sure if the pastor's saved. If you can't tell me five things about the Lord Jesus Christ, Houston, you got a problem. Be overwhelmed with his spirit, and it would work on my spirit, the human spirit, and it would produce a spirit of wisdom, a spirit of revelation in the true knowledge of Jesus Christ. Because when you have the true knowledge of Jesus Christ, then you realize that you have everything for life and godliness. Okay, life is the temporal, godliness is the eternal. You already have it. It's already there. The problem is, is it true knowledge or is it speculation? I will remind you that this is the work of the Holy Spirit. We dealt with this in length a few years ago. And some of you will chuckle when you realize the text that I'm going to and say, A few? A few? (laughs) I mean, a few years ago. 
1 Corinthians chapter 2. The Apostle Paul quotes Isaiah, that just as it is written, things that the eye has not seen or the ear has not heard and to which have not extended or have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. He quotes Isaiah. He rewrites it to the Corinthians. Remember, the Corinthian church was a catastrophe. And he's explaining to them, you can't get a handle on this. It is not available to human understanding. Natural man does not understand the things of Christ. They can't. It is foolishness. It is foolishness. There is no external grasping of this. Okay? You're not just going to, well, I read it and now I know it. No, you don't. You can't grasp it. You can't memorize it. You have to make the Holy Spirit deal with the spirit of the individual to make it alive. And then it is a conviction. And then you open your mouth and share. I was telling Sunday school class this morning. I study all week long. Okay? I pray all week long. That's all I do. I am as well, I tried to watch a little of that dumb football game last night, but that was, hey. anyway, but, you know, that, that's what I do. And what is, I've realized that, I'm a slow learner, after all of these years, I will be done today, and I'll be an empty container. And then shortly here, in this afternoon, I'll start filling that container back up. And then by the time next Sunday morning rolls around, I'm ready to explode. Look at all that I found. And then I explode on you. And then I go, get me a drink of water. Breathe in, breathe out. And then I'll pick it up again probably about 3 o'clock this afternoon. Start reloading. And I've been doing that for a few years. There is no way that we can grasp this. You can't see this. You can't hear this. You can't even know it rationally. The things that he's prepared for those who love him. I mean, you know, I have people ask me, well, you know, I read that there are streets of gold and doors of pearl and all these other things in heaven. So what is heaven like? I said, the complete absence of sin. What? Yeah, complete absence of sin. What do you mean a complete absence of sin? Yeah, it's kind of weird, isn't it? I, I can't grab that. Complete absence of sin. That means there's no dentist. Complete absence of sin. I don't understand that. I remember as a young believer, I thought, man, heaven could be boring. You go play 18 holes of golf, everybody shoots at 18. What the heck is that for? But then all of a sudden you start really thinking about it. It's a complete absence of sin. You're like, wow. I can't even know that rationally. I do not know the absence of sin. I can't understand the things that he has prepared for me. I still freak out about the thought, well done, true and faithful servant. 
I, I what? Are you talking to me? What does that mean? I don't understand that. And that's what you got to hear. Because you don't want me to tell you what the alternative is. Away from me, I never knew you. Oh, oh. I want to hear, well done. And then you think about it. God that I labor for in his power is going to tell me, well done for what I did in his power. Okay. That's not rational to me. What God has given to us in Christ is beyond sight and sound, beyond our ability to hear, to touch, or to see. How do you overcome that? That's easy. Verse 10. For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. There has been times that I have studied Scripture and was so overwhelmed that I began crying like a baby. And you stop and you go, and you try to get yourself figured out what the heck is going on and to go get a drink of water or something, walk around and... Okay, and then you come back and you realize you have, I have no ability to explain what I just witnessed. That's just, to me, that's, oh, geez. The only way that you can figure out the entering of the heart of man, what God has prepared, what eye has not seen and ear has not heard, is God reveals it through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. What have we received if you are waiting for the Spirit of God? Really? I know people who are doing that right now. I'm waiting on the Spirit. What do you do with Romans 8 9? If you do not have the Spirit, you're not His. Okay? But yet I watch a lot of people who think, well, I've only got about a half a tank of Spirit today. Really? Go to the gas station. That's impossible. Again, it goes back. Now I'm adding something to it. Christ plus. Verse 11. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? All right. You ever had thoughts that you never shared with your wife or your husband or your dog or anything? Just had them, but you knew what they were. Even so, the thoughts of God, no one knows except the spirit of God. Guess what? He's already said God revealed them to us through the spirit of God. Listen, every Christian has the Spirit. And if you look at 1 John, you are in possession of the resident truth teacher. Alright? Have you ever listened to people at times preach, teach, or talk? And all of a sudden you go, 
Wait a minute. That doesn't sound right. You don't know why. But for some reason, what was that? That's the resonant truth teacher and a believer. Okay? We follow truth. And his opponent is the father of lies. And there are times when you hear something, you're like, I don't think so. You may not know right off hand. You know, I've had people ask me questions, theological questions, and I look at them and say, I don't know. What? I don't. Haven't ever looked at it, haven't studied it, don't know. <laughs> Back to my little trip to Memphis, one of my trips to Memphis. Everybody, it's funny because you get question and answer, and everybody likes to. I'm a pastor, I have big questions. <laughs> I remember this guy got up. Dr. Olford, can you tell us where sin came from? Dr. Olford went like this. He said, yes, it's none of your business. The guy said, sir? He says, if God wanted you to know, he'd have put it in Scripture and it ain't in there. You're like, well, next question. <laughs> I mean, so I just said, I ain't asking nothing. <laughs> I don't care. I'll let these guys all step into the fire and I'll say, fire extinguishers over there. <laughs> okay? But see, that's... No, there's things he doesn't tell us. I have the resident anointer indwelling me in the fullness of Christ who is the fullness of God. The one who touches the human mind, so that they may conceive the things which are beyond comprehension. That's amazing to me. And the Apostle Paul says, you know what? This is so overwhelming. I better pray for you. There's only one who knows the things of God. The Spirit of God. The Apostle Paul says, I pray that the Holy Spirit will invade the human spirit and give the human a spirit of understanding. Okay? I shared with you when we taught this. Remember? What does spirit mean? Is that the human spirit? Is it? Oh, blessed is the poor of spirit. It's an attitude. It's an attitude. I'll close with this thought. Too many of us right now are trying to master Scripture instead of allowing Scripture to master us. When the Scriptures master us, we know our position. When we know our position, all of us will see the practice. We'll see the practice. That should be our goal. In absolute humility before this book so the Spirit of the living God can invade your spirit and you will understand what is the mind of God. Okay? And once you step into that place, we all see the practice. All right? And we'll get into the greatness of God's plan, the greatness of God's power, 
and the greatness of God's person as he petitions to God on behalf of all believers. Father, we come before you, the author and the finisher of our faith. Help us to hear. But Father, I pray that these precious people will understand that in their study of truth and then the privilege of sharing that truth, it is their responsibility to pray for those who just heard. Please help us, Lord. Help us understand that we are not phenomenal teachers, but your spirit rocks the universe. Help us, Father, to rely on him so that when we do see you face to face, we will hear, well done, true and faithful servant. Father, let us understand that your spirit knows your mind and that, Father, all we are here are table waiters. You prepare it and you get it to the people that you want it to and it is our responsibility to deliver and then we lift them in prayer that they may understand. To you, my King, my Lord, my Savior, in Christ's name. Amen.